It's a really big deal for me today. Today's a really big deal for me. Just launching this year, it's a, it's, it means a lot. And, uh, and, and over the coming weeks, we're going to just, just hit, um, yeah, we're going to take our time with it. Um, and, uh, and what I want to talk about starts with just Philippians verse 2, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verse 1. We're just going to put that verse 1 up um, and we're going to get into it. Are you ready? I'll just highlight small groups again. It's the, it's the primary way that discipleship happens in the church. It's the primary way. Hey, don't read that scripture. <laughs> just kidding. It's a primary way that we'll do pastoral care. It's a primary way we'll activate. It's the primary way that we'll empower. It's the primary way that you'll meet friends. It's the primary way that you'll be encouraged. It's the primary way that you'll build connection. It's the primary way you'll grow in the prophetic, in the Bible, in signs and wonders through small groups. It's going to be amazing. Hey, I love Paul. He's writing from a jail cell. Philippians 1's amazing, but we're doing number two today. And he's writing from a jail cell. He's done so much in his life. He went from Saul to Paul because of an encounter where he met Jesus on the road to organizing another mass uh, killing of Christians. Just imagine that. Come on, we've had that Saul to Paul moment in our lives. Maybe not physical scales on our eyes like in Acts chapter 8, 9. But we've all had an encounter with him or we wouldn't be here today. So Paul writing, he's had, what a history he's had with the Lord. He's had it, he was, he was, he was intense and then religious and then, uh, and then had an encounter and he's writing and encouraging the church in Philippi and here we go, Passion Translation, launching others and Paul says, look at how much encouragement you've found in your relationship with the Anointed One, with Jesus. Just, just appropriate this to you today. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced the deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. I'm going to read that again. This is the reality of you saying yes to Jesus and what was stamped yes over your life. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One, the Christ. Wow. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. This is a reality for us. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So Paul highlights who they are now. He highlights salvation and their new identity. And then from that foundation, he moves into teaching and encouraging So he makes a big, bold statement. He says, hey, guys, this is who you are now. My life was radically changed. Scales came off. The veil came off. And I see him now and I'm living for him. He's my life. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain because he's there too. It's my life now. He changed me. And Paul's saying, hey, this is who you are, church. This is who you are. And from this foundation, I want to bring you some strong stuff and some encouraging stuff that is meant to bring life to your soul and cause you to come alive. And I feel like this is the greatest foundation to lay as a church because he's inviting us into life. He's inviting us into life. So let's go. Philippians 2, 2 to 10, Passion Translation. 
I'm feeling such a shift in my own life just over the last few months. And asking big questions like Lee's been asking, just looking at my last 10 years and, and, and asking these big questions. And, and this is just feeling so right, um, especially after with everything and the lyrics and that. And wow, I just feel him. Philippians 2, 2 to 10. Wow, come on. So I'm asking you, my friends, on that foundation. Now I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unabounded joy. And then verse 3. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. You know why he did that foundation of who you are with God? Because he's, he's laying this down. If we don't have that foundation, it's gonna, this is going to hurt and be hard. But we're free. We've got identity. We know who we are. We're confident. We've got friendship with the Holy Spirit. We talk to him every day. He's doing stuff in our life every day. Verse 5, uh, verse 4, abandon every display of selfishness. So good at that. Wow, I'm so, I, am, I am a professional. <laughs> you know that laugh? You know what that laugh is. Yeah. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. And we know this part. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself and his outward, and, and his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man And was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. There's a promise in there. Can we turn that off? Yeah, that'd be great. Just flick it off. Just cut the cord. Um, um, because of that obedience... God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. Come on, church. The, the, come on, church. The, the authority of the name of Jesus calls every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. This is a phenomenal passage. We'll come back to those points. I'm going I'm to read them again. I'm going to read them again. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. So it's not just don't do that. It's this is going to hurt you. Don't allow selfish promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others 
as more important than yourselves. Wow, it's massive. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. You can pull that down. Thank you. It's a phenomenal passage. We know that this is it's one of the key foundational cornerstones of our church. It's what we build the normal Christian life off. It's what we build a life of miracles off. This is the foundation that points to the fact that we are beautifully expected and invited and encouraged to live a life of miracles every day of our life. This is the passage. This is the foundation for the life of miracles because it shows us that Jesus became a man and lived as a man and was fully dependent on God. John 5.19 said, I can't do anything without him. Acts 10.38 says that, and Jesus of Nazareth, the man, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by the Holy Spirit, but weren't they God? Yep, he was fully God, but fully man. He laid down his divinity so that he could put on display what you could live like. So that's the foundation, that's the key doctrinal point of Philippians 2. It's huge and we will talk about it and we have spoken about it much and often that he set an example for what was possible for a believer in right relationship with God to live like. It's why he was baptized. It's why he, he, he worked through temptation in the wilderness. It's why he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It was why he did what he did to show you how you could live. But I feel like the Lord wants to open up more of this passage and more of these scriptures and the previous verses out of that one about Jesus humbling himself and becoming a man so that it can show us what we're to live like. I want to go back into some foundational stuff, into some heart stuff, because if we're going to look out, we've got to look in. And we look, we've been looking in a lot, but I feel like he's encouraging us and inviting us in to a greater piece of the puzzle in this verse. And this is a question that has and can easily bring condemnation. It's a question that can cause a believer to go back into religious thinking and go back into striving and go back into performing. But we don't do that. We don't strive for his love. We don't perform for his love. We, we're, we're secure in his comforting love and how he sees us because he's, he's, he's poured his love out into our hearts by his spirit. We know him. We talk to him. We spoke to him this morning. If I didn't come today, I was still okay because <laughs> like, he's my life. And, I, and, and I'm hidden in him and he's in me and we're one and he's everything. But it's, a, it's a really big question. And this is going to change our church. And it's, have you laid down your life? Oh, hate the question, guys. Like, don't like the question. Have you laid down your life? And I had doubts this morning because I'm like, I don't do, I mean, I, I like get, having a crack at times because I like being challenged myself. But I don't, I don't think I do harsh, you know? And that feels like attached to that and just experiences and stuff that I take on and, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. 
because it's such a huge question. But just in my own personal life, in ministry life, with leading, with family, with everything about who I am, I'm asking the question to myself, like, have I actually laid down my life? Have I, have I, like, because I can go, yeah, yeah, of course, like the person that led me to the Lord, like, was part of the prayer. Because this concept is not foreign to us. I mean, we look at the life of Jesus, it's, you write down, laid down life, and his picture's next to that statement. This is Christianity. So when we think about God and we think about the passages and the promises and the life of Jesus and, and the Gospels and we, we look at it and we, we go, yeah, yeah, this is not far-fetched. It's not foreign. It's not distant. It's not this, this concept, this idea, this thought, this truth, this question is not, it's not a new thing. But I feel like he wants to make it a new thing and bring freshness to it and invite you into everything that you want to be. And it's found in the answer to this question. Because we can't go where we want to go unless we, if we keep doing what we're always done, we're going to keep getting what we've always got. Have you laid down your life? And I really feel like as believers, we hear that call, that, that prompting, that encounter, that following of Jesus, and someone said it, and you mimic the prayer, I give you my life. But here's what I feel, and here's what I feel for me. And of course, there's, there's, there's large parts of my life where I have. But I feel like often we can do things out of principle, but not practice, meaning it's not a continual um, outworking of our life. It's not a reality. It's not an ongoing, regular um, thing but it's more of a principle. And I feel like for myself, and I'm not sure about you, but this statement of, have you laid down your life? I feel like we can come to the conclusion that, yeah, I have, but maybe it's more out of principle. Maybe it was more out of the prayer I prayed. And, and, I, and I feel the Lord saying today that there's presence available when we take it from going principle into practice. I feel like there's promises available when we acknowledge the question and acknowledge that perhaps some of our life, we've acknowledged that we've laid down our life in principle, but it's not necessarily practice and there's presence and promises and a life of peace that will follow. Because he's good all the time. He's kind all the time. Repentance is not harsh. He's not mad with you. He's not frustrated with you. He knew what he was getting himself into and he's never had a bad thought about you. He's not concerned. He cares. We can grieve his heart because if not, he'd be a robot and we're in relationship with him and it's like any relationship. We can hurt him. We can bring him joy, but he's always pleased and always proud of us because he can separate what we do and who we are. So we've got to hear this stuff. This is verse 1 of Philippians before Paul hits some stuff. Loved, cherished, adored, thoughts about you are more than the sand on the seashore all the time, nonstop, love on, fluorescent, never runs out, never dries up, always on toward you. His capacity on you, it's not, it's not me, it's not her, it's not you, it's you. Obsessed with you. Yeah, obsessed with Brett, obsessed with Jeannie, obsessed with Nolene, but you. No, no, them, them, them. No, no, you, man. 
obsessed with you. So this has got to go from a principle to a practice which unleashes presence and promises. Have you laid down your life? When truth goes from being a principle to a practice, we become free. John 8.30, you shall know the truth by experience, Ganisco, you know that now. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you don't experience truth, it remains only a principle, an idea, a belief, which leads to religion. Religion is principles without presence. Religion is principles without practice, without presence. So if we have a foundation that God is always good and his love is always on and that every word that comes from the mouth of Jesus is life to our souls, then this, there's no harsh scriptures. I'll say that again. If we have the foundation that God is always good and his love is always on, then every word that comes from Jesus is life to our souls and there's no harsh scriptures. So what's happening? I'll ask this question. What's happening when I mention this? Like, what comes to mind? Have you given up your life? What comes to mind? Are you triggered? Are you challenged? Are you excited? Are you curious? Because it's such a strong theme and a strong thought. And as I said, it was most likely part, part of the prayer that you prayed to, to give your life to Jesus. And I just remember it, like, I'm like, my life for yours. What a deal. I remember thinking that. Like, I don't know if you thought that, but when it was presented, when stuff was happening months, years before that, people praying for you, encounters, you might have got healed, you might have had a dream, you might have just heard the words that are life, the gospel. And you thought to yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because someone would have said it's in exchange. Someone would have explained the gospel that it's a laying down and a taking up of him. And you, you, you said, what a deal. What a deal. Where do I sign my life for his? Something's going on in me. I don't get it all. My life for his. But what I worry for personally, me, is that there's sections where it's by principle only. And it's not practice. And therefore, there, there's this area that is such an invitation. So you can go down there and go, it's lack. No, no, it's an invitation for him to flood and fill in my life. And I think just from somewhere along the way, I'm like, yep, yep, I give you my life, God. Wow, I'm a believer now. Learn, grow scriptures. And I'm like, hey, in that contract I signed, God, how about 80-20? How about 80-20? Because, you know, the principle was good, the prayer, the prayer and the principle were good. But this practicing thing, this is meaning some stuff. And I like what I was doing. And I know you don't give rules, but you, you get concerned with things that get in the way of love and us and our relationship. Well, that's how I view it now. Not back then. I just thought I was whipped. And he was harsh and mad at me. And I couldn't do that and I couldn't do that. I'm like, oh, that's a whole other thing. What about 80-20? Sweet, 80-20 it is. I didn't 
I didn't hear what he said. <laughs> what about 70-30? You know, a year later, 70-30. That's good. 70%'s a lot. 70%'s a lot. That's still three out of four Sundays. That's probably three out of four Sundays. Um, maybe three, three-ish Bible readings a week, 70-30, and pretty good, pretty good. But this area I love. I like it a lot. So it's mine. It's mine again. And then 60-40. And then we get to a point, and I'm like, I've experienced this, like 50-50. Like I'll just, I'll just do enough. I'll just do enough. I'll just do enough. So we're cool, and I feel cool, but I get to live my life. Decisions I make. I choose that and then ask for blessing. <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm not, I'm not, I am not suggest. I'm not even at you guys. I'm just talking about me today. I'm like, so I'll make the decisions and then I'll ask for blessing in prayer. So I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll just do it. And I'm cool, 50-50. God, yep, yep. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Justin. <laughs> yes, Justin. Yes, Justin. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, sorry. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Justin. Yes, Justin. And I'm like, I don't, I just, I don't think it's what he planned for us. So I want to read John 12 as we wind down. John 12, it's, it's, um, this is, oh man, this is, this is, this is so good for us. This is the prayer you've been praying, this there's keys in this. It's the answer. This is the answer. This is, there's keys and life in this message, which is the answer for what you've been praying and believing for. Because there's no harsh scriptures. There's no mean scriptures. So this is not a mean scripture. It's not a harsh scripture. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be murdered, to be crucified, to be beaten, to be, to be raised again and then to be glorified. <laughs> didn't say that, but we, we know that's true. Very truly I say to you, oh man, this scripture, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. And anyone who hates their life, and we spoke a lot about hate last year, and we know the Greek word for hate, you know it. It doesn't mean what we think it means. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life, hate is prioritizing, categorizing where your love goes. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Let's go to Matthew, because it opens it up a little bit more, and it's not um, as abstract. Matthew 16, 24 to 25, and then we're going to land. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. 
Two things. Can we acknowledge that God is really good all the time and wants only fullness and abundance for us? And can we also acknowledge that what Jesus just said is not easy? It's not easy. But he didn't mix his words. And for me, we can take stuff on that people don't say and just think that God's like this and that giving up my life is losing. And we hear it and we say, yes, and we go, but I'm going to lose that and I'm going to give up that and I'm not going to be able to do that. And I'm like, it's the wrong mindset. It's the wrong belief system. It's the wrong paradigm that we need to be free from because he's always abundant and he's always life-giving and he's always full of everything good and perfect and pleasing. So when he says this, it's for life. Just a few more things to acknowledge. Can we, may, can we also acknowledge that maybe we didn't really understand the full picture of what it meant to lay our lives down when we said yes to him? Can we acknowledge that maybe it was more principle and not practice? So it has never really become something that we have fully grown in the way that Jesus meant it to. I mean, that's me. I, I say, yeah, I, I can acknowledge that for sure. Does it disqualify me? No. Does it make me bad? No. Does it make me unqualified to lead a church? No. So I've just kind of had a a mix of yes, Lord, yes, Justin. And because it's scary and confronting, I didn't fully embrace it. And I I was just thinking about Brett and Tani getting married. I'm going to close with this. I'm like, in principle, Brett knows what's going to change in his life. In principle, he's aware that they're going to have a baby and the baby's going to come home and that his life is going to change. He knows this, dads, he knows this in principle. He, he, can, he could write a page. I, I could add some points to it. Some other fathers could as well. This is not to like scare you or anything, mate. Because we don't do harsh or weird stuff like that. But, but in principle, because it's not a practice yet, is it? So he, he's not in the practice. But it's by principle. And that's exciting and amazing because I know what's coming for him, for them. I know what's coming. The promise and the presence. The promise. The promise. I know, I know what's coming. But now, when he looks at his life now and everything that he can do, hey, Tony, I'm going to the shed and I'm going to watch the footy for seven hours and have a couple of bevies and turn the fire on. And all that stuff can still happen. You're just going to talk about it way and plan it a month earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, people go, oh, you got to go. But if I, if I start talking how it really is, it's going to ruin my message. Um, <laughs> So let me just talk how, yeah. But like, he knows in principle. He writes a list of what, what this means, what I've, I'm going to give up, what I'm going to lay down because of my wife and my baby and the growing of this child. The promise that's present now and now it gets into practice. And it's going to be confronting. 
That magical three-month, that, wow, when you hit that three-month mark, I told Maris, that three-month mark, wow, it's amazing. But that first three months, it's like, what the heck is going on? And we're figuring it out. And there's so much life and blessing, and don't listen to people who say it's all, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. I'll take it all. It's amazing. But it's not practice for you yet. And I feel that's like us when we say yes to Jesus. In principle, I know I could write it down. I could write down everything that this life's about, everything that the gospel says, everything that's encouraged, everything that the guy at the altars prayed the prayer for me to repeat after. In principle, I know it. But it's the practice that's hard. The consistency that's hard, the, the regular that's hard, and the, the not letting people in makes it even harder. And the, and, the, and the life that I know I said yes to is a lot of it's by principle, and it's not practice, which keeps the promise and the presence in this amazing place of invitation for us. And I tell you what, when it goes from principle into going, yep, I'm acknowledging, I embrace it, I embrace it. But then when I step out, he's, he's where you step out. Now, okay, the baby's here. And it's like, wow, okay, okay, not much sleep last night. That's okay. And again, supernatural sleep. Like just, I think Belle was six weeks, she slept all the way through. Come on, we should release that. And Jude beat her by two weeks. Yeah, we just release that in the name of Jesus. But it's like, it's confronting. Practice. The practice, the living it, the, the life, the God, I'm giving up my life. So can we go on a journey this year with this? Because if, if we don't address this, this number one central part of why you said yes to Jesus and the, the ramifications of your yes, of my yes, if we don't address this as the foundational part of your life, and decision to be a believer, if we don't address it and relook at it and let him redeem it, refine it, and restore it, that's all I'm going to say. Come on. Yeah. Then others. I'm just going to flick through this. I'm, I think I'm good. Because that list I said, that list about that Paul said, it's like that's, if we don't lay down our lives, we can't live like that. We can't become obsessed with people like Jesus was. We can't think about them the way that he thinks about them. We can't treat our husbands the way that he would or our wives the way that he would because he never has a bad thought about anyone ever. And when he's concerned or challenged, he asks questions. And wants to work through solution. He's perfect and amazing. And he's in you. And he wants to help us lay down your life. It's not an expectation, lay down your life. Come on, religion is demanding. But Jesus invites and enables. So he wants to take us from this being a principle. And probably attached to religion. And what you can't have. But Jesus said, hey guys, if you give up your own way of life, you're going to find it. If you hang on to it, you'll actually lose it. And I worry, my worry for myself is that I'm chasing after him. I'm going hard. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, building a great house, um, great friends, 
tick, 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 tick. And I'm like, I don't want to lose my life. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about eternity. I'm not talking about that because we're, we're good. We don't lose that. You can disagree, but that's okay. But I'm talking about life that he's called us to live. The abundant life where we're, we're just a walking miracle every day. Just like this morning, going to Coles. And Katie said, I think like, there's some words of knowledge there available for you today. And I'm like, cool. So I went in and I said, hey, have you got a sore back to the lady? She goes, no. I'm like, oh, okay. That's all right. Got it wrong. Got it wrong. And she said, why? And again, I can go, oh, no reason, bye. But I said, um, oh, well, I just like, there's so much negativity around and, and I'm sure you think things and feel things sometimes and so do I and I just want to go with that um, and just practice and, and like praying for people and Anyway, and she goes, I got a sore hip. I'm like, yep, he, he dived for that as well. So, and, she, and I said, can I pray for you? She put her hand out. Just perfect socially distance. Hand on hand. <laughs> I mean, in that moment, I'm cool with that. Um, and just prayed for her. Said, I thank you that you see I said this, I, I thank you that you see her. And you love her. Can we get keys up? That'd be great. We're going to land. Um, I thank you that you see her and you love her. And I just declare all the pain to go and full movement today in Jesus' name. Just full on. So just that, I, w- I want, uh, honestly, I want five of them every day of my life. And I think it's possible. But it's only possible if I lay down my life. Because I lay down embarrassment. I lay down fear of man. I lay down how am I going to be seen. I lay down awkwardness. I lay down pride. I lay down selfishness. I, I lay down selfish ambition. I lay down all the yuck stuff. And I become like Jesus. I think, live and love like Jesus, where it goes from just a principle, I'm just a Christian. Well, well what does it look like for me? Because love looks like something. Like the, the Christian life looks like something. It's not, that's why we, we, we're so big on It's not church. This is a speck of your life. The real life is the six days. The six other days of the week, when you leave this building and then we come back next week. Really, I just want church to be, let's celebrate all the miracles that happened every week because you approach five people every day because you laid down your life. And I know that everyone wants this. I know you all want it. And that's why we weren't working really hard to set small groups up so that you can be in, in a place where you can be encouraged. And guess what? You've got to lay down your life to go to a small group. Like, you know what I mean? You've got to, as in... You got to, not you have to, you got to. You know what I mean by that. It's normal English. But in order for you to actually be consistent and grow, because you can't grow without consistency. But it's a, it's a laying it down of our life. It's a giving it up. Because Paul didn't mix his words in Galatians 2.20. And again, Kurong's got some great posters and it becomes religious. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. When did that become religion for you? It did for me years ago. Oh, yeah, I know that. Galatians 2.20, quote it all day long. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And I don't even live it. I'm qualified to lead this church. But there's too many people that don't talk like this. Because no one's perfect. 
and I've got holes and you've got holes and I haven't fully given up my life. And people can say it. <laughs> and some have and some do. But I'm still on a journey. I've given up a lot of it. And I love him. He's everything. But I've got, I got a ways to go. And if we get this, this is the, I feel like this is the, sounds weird, but it's the final piece of the puzzle of all the culture we've been building. And it's just green light. And we're going to have some fun. Is that cool? So stand to your feet.